Just before what we read today, Mark describes the event of the death of John the Baptist. John, who was Jesus' relative, his cousin, who had started his ministry some years before Jesus, out in the wilderness calling on people to repent. And one of John's frequent targets was the household of Herod the king, who was known for its immoral acts, and uh, John would regularly call them out uh, for being sinful and they needed to repent. And that all caught up with him in the passage right before what we looked at today. Um, Herod executed John the Baptist, and, and it was pretty grisly, and you, you may or may not know that story, but you can read it for yourselves. But it was just after that, Jesus turned to the disciples and said, uh, the crowds have been many, let's get in a boat and go uh, find a place to rest, to be quiet, to be alone. And whether that was just kind of getting out of the, um, the hot zone for a while with you know, very not only a relative but a related person in ministry um, to get out of that hot zone or whether this is another example of Jesus taking time aside to rest. He and the disciples did that and they got in the boat and went across the, the water. But as I mentioned in the reading, the crowd saw them leave and kept wanting to hear from Jesus and see Jesus and perhaps receive miracles. And they took off on foot around the lake, I guess keeping an eye out there on where they were headed. And they seemed to accumulate people as they went. And today's uh, passage, today's sermon is that story. And as I dug into it, uh, I saw some parallels to uh, the other thing we're observing today, which is the consecration or the commitment Sunday where you bring uh, your pledges uh, back to the church, back to the Lord. And, and so I want to walk through this story with you, but then just mention a few things about that at the end, about the consecration bit. So we're going to start in verse 34. Jesus and the disciples of the boat has landed in the deserted, secluded so-called place. And there is this host of people, this huge crowd. If you look really closely, those are Legos, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping at a distance it just looks like a crowd of people. Um, yeah, that was the best I could do with the crowd. Because um, every other one had modern you know, umbrellas and cell phones and stuff, but that somehow worked for me. So verse 34, he lands the boat and turns out they're not in the quiet, secluded spot. I mean, it is a very deserted place, but there are these huge crowds. Interestingly, I mean, I guess at that point, Jesus faced a decision. It's like, well, do we keep going and try to escape this crowd and find true um, solitude, a time away from ministry? But no, it says his heart went out to the people there. He felt compassion on the crowds. In fact, um, Mark quotes a, a well-known scripture that says he looked upon them and they were like sheep without a shepherd. And his heart went out to them. And he felt compassion. And so he stayed and taught them and spoke to them. Uh, that particular phrase is mentioned a couple of times in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, in the prophets, where first uh, Jeremiah, for example, in Jeremiah 50, um, will write this. Uh, my people, this is God speaking through the prophet, my people have become lost sheep. He's talking about ancient Israel. Uh, their shepherds have led them astray. They have made them turn aside on the mountain. They have gone along from mountain to hill, and have forgotten their resting place. And, and God was blaming the teachers, the, the, the shepherds of Israel, for 
them losing their way. And this was, this was in the time of the, um, the exile and uh, God's people kind of losing touch with what he wanted. Skip over to Ezekiel 34, another prophet, and Ezekiel describes God stepping in uh, to the void left by the false shepherds, the, the teachers of Israel who were not doing their job. This is what God says, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. I will feed my flock. I will lead them to rest, declares the Lord God. In that use of seeing them like sheep without a shepherd, his heart going out to them, he, he very much, or at least Mark telling the story, evokes that imagery of God seeking out his people um, to, to draw them back to himself, to give them what they are missing, to find them when they are lost. So that compassionate shepherd is the, the image there. In verse 35... Apparently he had taught for a while, said he, in response to that he taught them, and the hour grew late, and uh, the, the disciples noted that to Jesus and said, we're, we're in this very remote, deserted place, there's no food, the hour's getting late, you need to send them away so they can go get food, go home, take care of themselves, because we can't feed all these people. And Jesus says to them, take care of it, you give them something, and they... Uh, they were probably on the, the disciples' finance committee, the ones who responded. They said, well, we could do that, but that would, in my loose translation, that would cost a fortune. 600 denarii. That a denarius is a, a common worker's daily wage. That's maybe two-thirds of a year's worth of wages. I mean, just roughly, if you said that was $50,000 is a... a kind of standard wage. And we're talking 20, 30,000. Can you imagine if we had one of our events out in the parking lot on the playground, invited the neighborhood to come, and not only did 10 or 20 from the neighborhood came, all of Old Providence and surrounding communities came to this event. Did you know there's 10,000 people that live within a mile of the church? What if they all came and showed up? And uh, I say to Quay Youngblood, our finance elder, hey, I think we should feed these people or at least get a food truck or something. He says, well, that's a tall order. I mean, this many people, that's, that's going to cost $30,000, $40,000. We don't have that in our budget. Right? So then, here's the Jesus answer. Well, go look in the church freezer and see what we have. Right? <laughs> we got, we got some, some questionably old ice cream. I've, I've looked um, in there. We have some other identified frozen things in the freezer and uh, assorted cheese and salad dressing. So the disciples go out and they kind of survey and all they come up with is the five loaves and the two fish and they come back to Jesus and say, here's what we got. If this story sounds familiar, I mean, it's one of the better known stories of Jesus. It's also one of the very few, including the birth narrative. That's not in all four Gospels. This is one of the uh, only stories that's in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, and it's... I mean, it's distinct, and it has so many interesting pieces to it, right? Jesus um, being the compassionate shepherd like, like God to ancient Israel. I will seek out, I will feed, I will provide for my people who are lost sheep. So starting in verse 39, we read what Jesus did. They, they've come back with the five loaves and the two fish, and Jesus starts to divide them into groups of hundreds and fifties. This is also a callback to their history, to Hebrew Scripture, when Moses had led the people out of, Is, uh, out of Egypt through the Red Sea, they came to the foot of Mount Sinai where he was going to go get the Ten Commandments shortly. 
Uh, you read the story, he organized all of the massive number of ancient Israel into groups of hundreds and fifties, just like this. It would have, again, all these things have purpose behind them. They would have triggered uh, memories because they've all heard the stories, these crowds that are listening to Jesus. You know, is, he, is this going to be like a Moses event? Uh, is he going to do something significant? Also, made me think of Moses. Moses had led the people through the wilderness, through a deserted place, through a secluded space. There was no uh, 7-Eleven to get food for the, the mass of Israelites. There was no food at all. I mean, they were out in the wilderness, and God provided for his people there by sending bread from heaven. Uh, this is manna, which if you don't know what that means, it's literally the Hebrew for what is this, right? Manna, it's bread from heaven, and quail. And then God would provide water periodically for the people. Uh, so again, the setting is almost the same. They've gone to a wilderness, desert-like setting. The people are all masked in front of Jesus. He separated them into groups of hundreds and fifties, just like Moses and the crowd in the wilderness. And you know what's going to happen. He's going to provide bread, seemingly from heaven, because all they had was this one little, uh, little bit. So Jesus blessed it, and all ate and were satisfied. Oh, I was going to, as a summary of that, our call to worship was a psalm that is giving praise to God, recalling that event of bread from heaven. So if you flip back to the um, first part of your bulletin, um, oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people, sing to him, speak of his wonders. Here's the story. They asked and he brought quail. He satisfied them with the bread of heaven. He opened the rock and water flowed out. This is the the telling of the story of God providing in the wilderness. This is one of the songs of Israel, right? So they knew the story. This would all be familiar to them. So Jesus um, prayed to heaven, blessed the food, and, and they started passing it out. And it says, everyone ate and was satisfied, and they had left over baskets full of bread and fish. Not just any amount of, of bread and fish, but 12 baskets. Again, there were 12 tribes of Israel. It's like everything is just highlighting and underscoring and saying this is a God event going on. Never mind the central miracle of multiplying the food, right? So there's all these parallels and signs um, of God at work here in Jesus. Here's the, that's really all I'm going to say about that. Here's, here's the the application I want to make, I want, and I'm calling it obedience multiplied. The broad application of this story is like all the ones we've been looking at for weeks and weeks, right? Jesus has come. He's out among the people, right? God's, God's people, us, are not supposed to huddle inside a church wall, but like Jesus, we're supposed to be out in the world, out in the community, out in the neighborhood, being lights, being salt in the, the world, uh, being witnesses for him. Jesus came to uh, teach about God. These miracles were amazing, but they were signs pointing to God's power, God's authority, the kingdom of God at hand. That's the same message we're to announce. But this, this specific miracle, the feeding of the 5,000, and this, is, this can only be God's timing because I would not have preached this sermon or used this illustration any other week other than this one. Um, but here's the parallel. We have uh, been through a, a very real kind of, of desert in, in the, the two years or so of COVID, right? Everything shut down. We kind of went to a bare bones 
uh, you know, virtual worship for a while and then showing up with masks and no live music. And then finally that got going, but uh, still it was slow to get back to our ministries and our gatherings and our meals and our book club and outreach, all those things. So, we, you know, they've just gotten started again, right? And it was very much a, a wilderness and secluded kind of experience for many of us. Many were isolated because of that. And some, some folks still feel isolated. You know, they're slow to get out. And yet towards the end of COVID, this would have been about a year and a half ago now, our elders and deacons and staff got together to ask the question, what is God's vision for us? What does God want us to do here in this wilderness, maybe coming out of a wilderness kind of place? And our um, resounding sense after, after studying scripture and praying and listening was God wants us to, to re-engage the same things we've always engaged, declaring the good news, being good neighbors to those around us, um, caring for others, uh, cherishing our friendships and fellowships, but also welcoming folks into that to be about the work of God's kingdom. And coming out of that, we had, we had a little bit of a sense, I think, or at least I did, of and how are we going to do that? We've got about, in terms of the number of people showing up and the, what would seem to be the amount of uh, money from the people that are left after COVID, it feels a lot like five loaves and two fishes. And yet God gave us this, this big vision for what he wants us to do. We have the congregation, the elders, the deacons, the staff. We have pursued that vision um, to the point that, and I, we have said this, I don't know that it's actually clicked with everyone, for the last two years, for the first time in our history, we have planned to do more than we could afford. We used to always say, here's a balanced budget, here's how much we project will come in, and we're going to spend exactly that amount in pursuing God's vision. For these two years since COVID, we said God's vision seems to be bigger than the resources at hand, but we're going to go after God's vision, right? So for two years now, We've projected a loss, and not a little loss, but a big loss, $20,000, $35,000. And yet, in 2021, um, for a variety of reasons, God uh, met that need, and we didn't uh, have to spend down our reserves. But 2022, kind of the same thing. We're pursuing this vision wholeheartedly. Again, projecting, I think this year was to be a $35,000 loss, but we said, we think God will bless our obedience, and we, we, at least for a little while, have the reserves in case that is the result. We're going to listen to God and pursue the vision. So we're chugging along this year. Y'all have been great uh, in terms of, get beyond great in terms of giving, um, showing up to stuff. Uh, people are slowly coming back. I mean, we're this lunch two weeks ago, I was amazed. I'm always like, Robert, why do you have to be the one of little faith? I was like, well, maybe, maybe 20 people will come to the lunch. But almost every person in worship just went right over there and ate soup after the service. And it was glorious. And we're going to do it again next week. But here's the thing that I thought only this week. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have used this as the illustration any other week. So Tuesday night, Quay Youngblood, our finance elder, he spoke to you last week. He brings the financial report to the session. Remember this year... We had, we had planned, based on what you told us you were going to give us, we were, we were planning to go under by 35000 He brings the financial report, and the, the, the giving from you is, has skyrocketed. It's, it's above by $10,000, $12,000, more than what we expected. And there are a number of groups that we have offered the use of our building and facilities to, 
At the beginning of the year, we went to each of them and said, uh, we need you to at least cover the cost of using the building, the air conditioning, the lights, doesn't so. We're, we're stretched pretty tight, and we think that's a fair ask. Um, several of them, several of them said, we're, well, they all said we're glad to do that. Several of them said, we don't think that's enough. We want to give you more than that. that that's, that's like, that's bread from heaven right there, right? So that's been accumulating every month. So Quay brings the, the report to, to Tuesday night to the session. I'm looking at this, and honestly, again, Robert, you have little faith. I was like, somebody made a mistake in the Excel chart, <laughs> right? There's some, some cell in there that has the wrong formula because these numbers don't add up right. And actually, it had started happening last month, but it just seemed like, well, maybe we had a happy September and who knows why. But October like, ran circles around September to the point that as of October 31st, I'm not sure where we are now, October 31st, we are only 12,000 below. Remember, it was supposed to be 35,000 down here in the sub-basement, 12,000. And the, the rate at which um, members are giving and, and guests and visitors and friends of the church are giving and these outside groups that are um, joyfully, thankfully using our, our building and glad to do it, that they are uh, giving us, it is meeting the need. God is meeting the need, is my point, right? When, if you had asked me at the beginning of the year, how are we going to pay for this? I would have said, I don't know. We've got five loaves and two fish. But our focus is not going to be on that. It's going to be on obedience, on following God to the vision that he set. And this is, this is as close as I can get to the, the miracle, right? But I see, to me, there's a parallel. God has provided because our eyes are fixed on him and not on the financial report. Um, and so, I, yeah, this, so this week, I'm like, well... That seems like a no-brainer, this report on Tuesday, and now I'm writing a sermon on, on Wednesday and Thursday. It seems like God wants me to be reminded of something. This is not a prosperity gospel. Sometimes you hear, if you're faithful, God will bless you and give you cars and boats and houses and things. This is not that. This is God saying, if you keep your eyes on me, I will give you what you need to be faithful. Um, that might not have been meeting the budget, but in this case, I feel like God is saying, y'all keep doing what you're doing. You're listening well, you're following well, you're getting out into the neighborhood, you're cultivating fellowship and love of the word, you're, you're gathering in worship, you're even extending it out to, to folks who can watch online, you're, you're, you're listening and paying attention, keep doing that. And so that's what I would say to you on this day that we're asking for pledges, is just keep being you, and with us, let's keep our eyes on, on God. Um, I don't ever want it to be like, we just need to squeeze a little harder. We don't have enough money. What I want the message to be is our hearts are fixed on God. Let's keep that up. That's, that's the most successful church there can be is one that is focused on where God is leading them and says yes to that and follows after that. And that's where, to end, I think our, our song can be what's there in Psalm 105. Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people, sing to him, speak praises to him, speak of all his wonders. God has been good. Um, I am thankful to you who have been generous, but underneath and around that in ways I couldn't have imagined at the beginning of the year, God has been faithful and has blessed, I think, blessed our obedience and multiplied it out. So to God be the glory. Amen. Amen.